to return to your seats. You join me in prayer. Um, and when I say that, I mean, don't, don't just simply observe someone else praying, but I mean, we, we pray out loud partly so that you can amen. Uh, and I don't, I don't mean you have to do that out loud necessarily, but the whole, the whole point of praying out loud is so that other people can agree in prayer because where two or three agree about anything in my name, I will do what Jesus says. So we're going to agree about some things in prayer this morning. That's part of why we pray out loud. And we're going to pray for our kids. We're going to pray for what happens here, that, that this, would be, um, this would be the next step in an important journey for them, knowing Jesus more. This is not child-minding. This is discipleship. What we're going to do here is not entertainment. It's discipleship. Let's pray into those realities that there is formation happening here and over there and over there, and it's formation that looks like a cross, looks like the way of Jesus, right? That's why we pray out loud. That's why we amen. That's why we do these things, because God participates in all of this. Let's do that. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much that you have entrusted people with care for those at an earlier stage, developmentally, and in the journey with Jesus. Lord, would you bless the things that are happening in the foyer and in the boardroom right now as younger people are taking their next steps in a journey with Jesus. Would you bless the workers who are serving there to model Jesus really well, to communicate Jesus really well, to to host you by your spirit really well so that this becomes not just about but with Jesus, that we might learn to keep in step with the spirit of Jesus, that we might give all glory and praise and honor to the one who has been entrusted with all authority in heaven and on earth. We're here to praise and worship and love King Jesus. So, Lord, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the children. Thank you for those who are serving and who are going to commit to serving that that we at all ages and stages might become more like Jesus. Lord, would you make sure that discipleship happens here and interaction with you happens here? That your ways may be known on the earth, that your kingdom might come and increase among us. We so need it, Lord. We are insufficient by ourselves. And if we reflect back on our week, if we reflect back on our interactions with others, as we reflect back on those times where we've looked in the mirror, we have to say we are, we're far short of Jesus. So Lord, we take a moment now even to confess those things. Because if we confess with our mouths. You say that you forgive our sins. Lord, would you, would you guide us in confession that there might be proper forgiveness and reconciliation among us? This too is our act of worship.
Lord, we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole hearts. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. And so we confess even those specific moments, not just the generic truths that we have fallen short and you are holy and we are not, but the specific times where we fell short. And we hold to your your word that says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us. Would you cleanse us now, Lord? Lord, would you cleanse us of shame? and regret that does not lead to repentance, but just spirals? Would you cleanse us of patterns of sin? Would you you cleanse us of the things that have just left their mark on us that were not of you? And would you guide us in trusting that you cleanse? Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Would you speak your words of no condemnation over each one of your your children here this morning? If God is for us, who can be against us? May it not be that we ourselves are against ourselves, because you are for us. May that therefore there is now no condemnation be complete. No condemnation from outside and no condemnation from inside. May there be agreement with what your word says. Lord, it is because you are in the ministry of reconciling the world to yourself, each one of us, that that we come here again to worship. We come here again to meet you, to hear from you, to show you love by sitting under your scriptures, by listening to your word, by, by a readiness to put it into action so that we are doers of the word and not hearers only. May may you grow the doing in us out of deep love for you. May you grow deep love for you in us out of what you have done for us. Because there is therefore now no condemnation. Because God is for us, so who could be against us? Because he who did not spare his own son, but gave him for us, will he not also along with him give us all things that you seek to bless your people? So, Lord, may we come into that inheritance of blessing, having experienced reconciliation with you. Thank you for that work. Thank you that you can be trusted. 
Lord, would you guide us this morning in trusting you and taking you at your word? May your word have power this morning because it's your word. Lord, would you, in this next moment we give to you, make us ready and receptive. We love you, Lord. We're here because you're here. We love your word because we love you. We don't worship your word, we worship you. And we honor your word. Lord, would you and your word do your work among us? Start with me. Lord, we depend on your spirit. It's a confession that we we are inadequate for the task. We rely on you. Apart from you, we can do nothing. Would you empower and enable us to understand and apply your word today. To recognize the work of the Spirit in the moment, individually, corporately, and beyond, even into the city and the times we are in. Would you bring recognition? Would you bring attention? And may we May we see things as you see them, with a lens of hope and redemption. That you are in control and you are at work to bring all things together for good. For those who love you, who have been called by your name, thank you so much that you have called us by name. What a good thing that you invite us to step into, Lord. What an incredible privilege to be called out of the world and into something where you are at work for your glory and for the sake of the world that you love. What a privilege, Lord. Thank you. Thank you that you trust us that much. Thank you that you love us that much. Thank you that you even honor us by the dignity of entrusting us with action.
entrusting us with opportunity, entrusting us with gifts, entrusting us with the task of stewardship and right and responsible action in a world where you are at work. What an incredible thing. Lord, would you help us to see ourselves a little bit more the way you see us? I pray that some of those lies that we tell ourselves and the world tells us today would simply fall away as we rediscover an identity in you. Lord, have your way among us. We love you. We're here because we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you grab your Bibles, please? In, in Old and New Testament scholarship for decades and decades, actually probably a couple hundred years now, it's been required to learn German <clears throat> to get a PhD. You know why? Because German's awesome, right? <laughs> We're German Baptists, right? Apparently that's our roots, right? No, it's because Germany, for hundreds of years, was the center of Christian thought and life and scholarship in a way that the the rest of the world couldn't match. This This is the country Nevertheless, deception crept in, and the church wasn't aware of it. And in fact, portions of that church very much blessed what Hitler did. This was the very center. It's, friends, it's not so often like in the movies where the, the trouble just comes um, labeled as trouble, and everyone recognizes it. My boys right now are getting really into, like, Marvel and Avengers movies and this kind of thing, and it's very obvious who the villain is in these movies, right? It's not subtle. That's fiction. Reality is that evil comes disguised. In fact, Bonhoeffer will use the phrase the masquerade of evil because evil comes looking good. And we, the church are very prone to being deceived. It's one of the reasons why we come back to this all of the time. Jesus does not want his disciples to be, to be deceived by trouble that is coming. I don't want us to be deceived by trouble that is coming. And that's, let me remind you of what we then talked about last week. We are moving back into the gospel of John. 
we're moving back into the Gospel of John because God sent us to John. And, and so until we complete that assignment, we have to be in John because there are things there that God has given us to discover for a particular time, for a particular season, for a particular work that he is doing among us and beyond us. And as we move back into the, these incredible chapters where Jesus just talks and talks and talks. If you have a red letter Bible, you will see that there, there's so much dialogue happening in chapters 13 to 17. But chapters 13 to 17, where Jesus is talking and talking and talking, he is, he is in his last moments where he has time to prepare his disciples for trouble that is coming. And it's coming quickly. And throughout these chapters, you will see um, sometimes hints and sometimes more extended periods of time where Jesus will say, this is the trouble that is coming. Get ready. So we are, as we move through these chapters, we are very much keeping that overarching framework in mind. Chapter, chapters 11 and 12 have a lot of it. Lazarus is raised and they want to kill him. And they want to kill him because they want to kill Jesus too. As we move into chapter 13, you're going to see Jesus is talking to people who are about to betray him and deny him. And by the time that these, these chapters are done, that's when Jesus is taken off to be crucified. And so it's, it's within the almost like the, the covers, the, um, the bookends of trouble Jesus says, here are the things that you most need to know in preparation for trouble because it's coming. So trouble is coming in chapters 12. Trouble is coming in chapters 18. In chapter 18, and 13 to 17 are the response. How do we respond to trouble? Because it's coming. We are going to read uh, all of chapter 13 now. Would you grab your Bible? In the end, I'm only going to focus on the first couple of verses, but we need the whole chapter for context. Now, before the feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come and that he would depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, the devil, having already put into the heart Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had handed all things over to him and that he had come forth from God and was going back to God, he got up from supper and laid his outer garments aside and he took a towel and tied it around himself. Then he poured water into a basin and began washing the disciples' feet and wiping them with the towel which he had tied around himself. So he came to Simon Peter and he said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? And Jesus answered and said to him, what I'm doing, you do not realize now, but you will understand later. And Peter said to him, never shall you wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no place with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, then wash not only my feet, but my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, he who's bathed needs only to wash his feet. Otherwise, he's completely clean. And you are all clean. Well, you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew the one who was betraying him. It was for this reason that he said, not all of you are clean. Then when he had washed their feet and taken their garments and reclined at the table again, he said to them, do you know what I have done for you? 
You call me teacher and Lord, and that's correct, for so I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example so that you would do just as I did. Truly, truly, I I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is the one who sent greater than the one who sent him. The one who is sent greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. I'm not speaking about all of you. I know the ones I have chosen. But this is happening so that the scripture may be fulfilled. This is the scripture. He who eats my bread has lifted up his heel against me. From now on, I'm telling you before it happens so that when it does happen, you may believe that I am he. Truly, truly, I say to you, the one who receives anyone I send receives me. And the one who receives me receives him who sent me. When Jesus had said these things, we come to a very worrying verse. He became troubled in spirit. Wow. Jesus, son of God, became troubled in spirit. And he testified and said, truly, truly, I say to you that one of you will betray me. The disciples began looking at one another at a loss to know which one, um, of which one he was speaking. Lying back on Jesus' chest was one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. So Simon Peter nodded to this disciple and said to him, tell us who it is of whom he's speaking. And he simply leaned back on Jesus' chest and said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus then answered, that man is the one for whom I shall dip the piece of bread and give it to him. So when he had dipped the piece of bread, he took it and gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. After this, Satan entered into him. Therefore, Jesus said to him, what you are doing, do it quickly. Now, none of those reclining at the table knew for what purpose he'd said this to him. For some were assuming that since Judas kept the money box, that Jesus was saying to him, buy the things we need for the feast, or, or else that he was to give something to the poor. So after receiving the piece of bread, he left immediately, and it was night. Therefore, when he had left, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself, and will glorify him immediately. Little children, I'm still with you just a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I said to the Jews, now I also say to you, where I'm going, you cannot come. But I'm giving you a new commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you, that you will also love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow me later. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you right now? I'll lay down my life for you. Jesus replied, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, a rooster will not crow until you, have, until you deny me three times. Let's just read that next verse. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Are we in the middle of trouble? There's a lot of trouble. This is the word of the Lord.
Will you look up something with me here? Would you look at chapter 12, verse 23? Jesus said to them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Then verse 1 of chapter 13. Jesus, knowing that his hour had come. Let's just skip ahead to the near the end of this whole section, chapter 17, verse 1. Jesus says, Father, the hour has come. Jesus knows the time he's in. Do we know the times that we're in? Have we given any thought to the times that we are in? Do we think in those terms? Because Jesus recognizes not only the time he's in, but then what he has to do within that time. He recognizes how God's at work and how he's come to a point where God is about to take action. And God only takes action as Jesus himself recognizes that time and then moves forward with that plan. Do we know the times that we're in? There's a, um, an oft, often quoted verse. Um, if you can find First Chronicles, why don't we go there? Old Testament, after the book of Kings, First Chronicles chapter 12. Because this isn't just for Jesus. First Kings chapter 12, verse 32. It, it's describing a group of people who understand the times they are in. It says, of the sons of Issachar, there were men who understood the times with the knowledge of what Israel should do. I would aspire to be like that. To understand not only um, who I am, not only understand the world, not only understand God, but understand that the interaction and the way that things are moving in such a way that I can see where God is at work. And I understand how he's at work in me, and I understand how he's at work in us, and I understand how he's at work, work in the world in such a way that I then know what to do. They understood the times that they were in and what a group of people should do. That's Jesus, but that's for us as well. Do we understand the times that we are in? Because this is a season of preparation, my friends. This is not simply a season of onward and upward and everything gets better. There's more to it. This is a season of preparation and readiness and watching. Do we understand the times that we are in and what God's people should do? Jesus did. And look what Jesus does. Jesus, understanding the times that he is in, what God is doing, what's happening in the world, and how he should respond 
takes off most of his clothing, wraps himself like a servant, and goes to serve. Can we just remind ourselves of what foot washing is? Remember that this is a culture that only wears sandals. Remember that this is a culture where they throw most of their garbage out of the window and into the streets that they then walk in. Remember this is a culture that has a tremendous amount of livestock also walking through those streets. And they tend to, livestock kind of drop things, right? So it was one person's job to make sure feet were clean when they entered the house. And it wasn't the person with the most status, to be sure, because who wants to do that job? Who would ever want to scrape that off people's feet? When I, one of my first jobs, um, when I got married, I was putting Chantel through school. I was just trying to grab anything I could get. I ended up getting a, a job for a chiropractor. And so I would interact with all of the patients coming in. I enjoyed getting to know them, hearing a little bit of their stories. And as new people would come in, I'd introduce myself, just find out a little bit about them. They'd fill out a form, and included on that was an occupation. And someone once put down city worker. Well, that's kind of vague. So tell me, but what do you do? And he didn't tell me what he did. He told me the benefits. It was really, it was a very interesting interaction. He said, well, I have this job where... I'm finished by two o'clock every day and I only work for five to six hours, but I get paid for eight and I have incredible city benefits. I I just, I have it made. I'm I'm done. I have so much free time on my hands. Right, but what do you do? And he said, well, actually, and then I discovered why he front end loaded it that way, right? He said that his job was actually to to drive the, the dump trucks and pick up the garbage, Right? That's not a job that's going to come with a lot of status, right? Which is why, and it's, it's revealed by the way that he described how he thought, maybe he perceived, and how he's probably, you know, it's a result of many different interactions with people who aren't going, wow, that's it. Wow, you just went up in my sight, right? Not to d- diminish that. I'm simply letting you know the interaction and the way that's perceived, Right? Because who wants to deal with smell? My grandfather told us, I don't know if this is true. It's not your, your dad, my other grandfather. My dad's here today. Um, the other side used to tell us that he used to have to share a bed with his two younger brothers or two older brothers. And because he was the runt um, and they're sharing a single bed, he was down at the feet. Now, just picture if those two brothers said, you know what, while you're down there, your job is going to be to deal with our warts and you're going to give us a foot massage because we've been working out in fields all day. We're really kind of, you know, we stink. And this is your job because you're the runt. Does that help you a little bit with the context of foot washing? Right? No one wants to deal with smelly feet. No one at all. It's not going to elevate. 
No one's going to go bragging that they got to deal with that kind of stuff. That's foot washing. And Jesus does it. The guy who created the feet is washing the garbage and crap out of toes. And why does he do it? Look at your Bibles. It says two things. He says, I set you an example, verse 15. If, if I'm doing it as creator and Lord and master and teacher, guess what you're going to do, my disciples? You're not going to be laying in the bed at the top. You're going to go find the feet. You're going to willingly pick up the garbage. Because this is what he did. And he didn't do it out of obligation. This is the whole reason Jesus came. And notice who he does it for. Who's at the table? Who gets the piece of bread dipped? Judas. Judas is going to go out with clean feet because the Lord of the universe, who's betrayed by those feet, first washes them. Who's the loudmouth in this chapter? Peter. I'm going with you to the ends of the earth, Jesus. And he says, you're going to betray me, buddy. You're going to deny me. He too gets washed. Has anyone ever betrayed you in the church? Anyone suffered any hurt? What about your family? We are sent specifically to wash the feet of the enemies and the betrayers. Let's bring together those first two points. Jesus knew the times and foot washing. What are the times that we're in, friends? What are the times that we're in? It's, it's cliche almost to quote Bob Dylan and say the times are changing. Um, what are the times that we're in? We're in times where there's going to be more betrayal in churches. We're gonna, we are in times where there's going to be betrayal where people in churches sell out other people in churches to people in power. 
that, that, that's right here. That's what Judas does. Remember, we, we talked about the times last week, right? We're in a time where tolerance is no longer tolerable. We're now in a time of it has to be celebration. Right? Remember we talked about that last week? Do you realize that that means that if we have to celebrate, the church and the world are on a collision course? That's the time that we are in. And that's just one example. The, the church, because celebration is now being interwoven and, and institutionalized into rights and freedoms because you're dealing with alleged identity, right? And that gets protected. So for you to call into question any of that puts you on a collision course with the powers. Those are the times we are in. And that's just one example. But we are also in a time, friends, where God is moving, and just think about what he's done here in the last couple of years. We are in a time where God is moving in increasing ways. But you see, those are two sides of the same coin, right? God works, the enemy responds. Those two things go together because God's making the enemy do it, but that's the enemy's response. Those are the times that we are in where we're going to see increases of both of those things. Think about, you know, what we heard from the Lord a couple of years ago. I'm coming to fill unity. You need to empty yourselves. God is going to bring the increase, but it requires something. And if we don't empty, what that means is that we dig our feet in and we give the enemy ground. God and the enemy are constantly doing this. The enemy is not co-equal with God by any means, but you have to understand that when God moves, the enemy responds. Those are the times that we are in. Look at Jesus' baptism, right? Holy Spirit descends, incredible moment. God speaks audibly to his son, and what's the next thing that happens? Hard times. The enemy shows up. That's part of it. So as you two that we will commission shortly go off to awesome times with God, you you need to go in with preparation that um, God moves, the enemy responds. So how will we pray appropriately? Will we understand the times? Will we understand the way God works and the way the enemy works? And will we know what to do in those times? So it's times again, and Jesus understands the times, and what does he do? He goes to foot washing. How does this make sense? How do those two things go together? If we got to prepare for trouble, why on earth does God say, okay, you want to prepare for trouble? You're going to pick up a bowl and a towel and go to dirty and disgusting things and serve people. Why? How does that make sense? Because this is our preparation. 
Foot washing is our preparation. Do you know how? Do you know why? Because in, in going to places and people who are low, what we do is start to unlearn and repent of the ways that we have been thinking about hierarchy in terms of status, what's high and what's low. What's the highest point in this chapter? The highest point is when Jesus goes to what we call the lowest point. What Jesus does as we go to wash feet is he begins to empty us of all of the idolatries that we have and the ways that we have married and blessed what the world says has status. That's preparation for hard times because we will need to be emptied of our, the ways that we have agreed with the world that this is status. This is power. This is prestige. Because the person with the most power and status and prestige says, I will have none of that. We must be emptied. You want to be prepared for hard times? Start serving without any hope of reward. Not to be recognized. Not because it, you know, I get a front and center row, uh, front and center spot, right? And some of the reward comes just from being front and center, sadly. But what Jesus goes to is the lowest. Are we going to find ways to prepare ourselves for hard times by saying, I will empty myself of all of that and follow Jesus down there? That's preparation for hard times. And the fact that that doesn't immediately make a lot of sense to us reflects how deeply our minds are entrenched in the way that the world has presented power and status and authority and popularity and maintaining my own image and so on. And the first thing that Jesus is going to identify is that stuff has to go. And it goes with a practice, not simply um, naming some new truth. Jesus, in fact, will say in these verses, if you know these things, you are blessed. Not if you know them, you're blessed if you do them. And will we take Jesus at his word for that? That there is blessing that, that is only going to be accessible to me as I wash feet. Am I willing to do it? Would you close your eyes with me? And would you ask the Lord, Lord, what is the one thing that I need to hear from you right now?
Friends, I call you, I challenge you to come with us on Sunday nights and put your arm around people as we pray for them on the streets. I challenge you to come early and set up chairs here because that's washing other people's feet. I challenge you to to go to that room and that room and say, I will serve. I challenge you to look for ways at home where you will not even be recognized, but you will serve someone else. I challenge you to unload the dishwasher when it's someone else's job. I challenge you to wash the bathroom floor and get on your hands and knees, even though that's on someone else's chore list this week. I challenge you to become an intercessor. I don't mean that as you happen to remember your church or your pastor or your loved ones, you then think about them and pray for them. I challenge you to say, no, my discipline, my spiritual discipline will be that every single day I will set time aside and wash feet in prayer for these people, for this work that God's kingdom would come. I challenge you to find ways where you come and sweep the parking lot of the cigarette butts and go next door. I challenge you to find ways to do this. I challenge myself to find ways of saying, I will, I will let go of what I think I deserve specifically to imitate the Jesus who came and washed feet. And that will be the start of our preparation for the times that we are in and where we're going. Let's pray. Lord, I, I thank you that in so many ways, I don't understand you because what it does is show me how deeply I need to be reformed by you. So, Lord, would you renew our minds? And, Lord, that that passage comes in the context of sacrificing everything. We we lay ourselves on the altar and, and become a living sacrifice. Lord, would you make us people who are living sacrifices, who will put things into practice and say, I will serve my Jesus like this. by going to the smelly places and the awkward places and the weird places with the weird people who aren't going to boost my image at all. Lord, would you make us people who have a heart of service that is that's for you? Would you empty us and refine us of all of the ways that we have been indoctrinated by the world to say this is what it means to be important. This is what it means to be special. This is what it means to be recognized. This is what it means to be popular. This is what it means to be cool. Lord, would you guide us in repenting of that mindset? And would you do so as we take up towel and basin and wash? For your sake, Jesus, because we love you. Thank you so much that you are the God who came 
to wash feet. Thank you that you died for us. Thank you for, the, for showing us sort of the little deaths along the way. He said, no, I'm, I, I wouldn't want to do this, but I do want to do it because I get to show my friends something about who this God is. Lord, would you reveal more of yourself to us as we don't simply know, but do. Lord, I pray that many of us would find the blessing that is unique to this particular form of service. Would we take you at your word that you want to bless your people in washing feet? Lord, we return here now to worship because what we have done is discovered that you are a God who is even more incredible than what we had acknowledged or recognized prior to opening your word. So thank you for your word. Thank you for who you are. We celebrate you. In Jesus' name, amen. Could I invite Dallas and Kate to come up? So these two are heading off to YWAM. Do you want to get just no crutches? You're walking. That's awesome. So these two are heading off to YWAM. Is there anything that you want to tell us about YWAM and why you're going or what you want prayer for or anything like this? You look like I'm putting you on the spot and you don't want to do this. Why don't you just tell us how we can pray for you? So YWAM, as you know, because we have done this a couple of times, these guys are going to study what God's doing in, in Scripture and what God's doing in the world, and then they're being sent out to go do it, like Jesus. And so they're leaving home. They're going to, to Hawaii, to Kona there, and they're going to be in class, and then they're being sent somewhere, and they do not yet know where, right? Right? Which is an act of faith, right? As well as a sacrifice. I mean, these two are giving up a year of study, a year of earning money and saying, no, we're going to go follow Jesus and serve him. So as they are doing that, how can we be praying for you guys? (laughs) Um, Probably just like, yeah, um, probably just like really like just finding my is this okay? Probably just like really finding my identity in God. That's something I've just been really praying for a lot recently. And also just like, yeah, just really learning just to hear his voice more clear and just to be obedient. I don't know. Also, like I just started walking again. So I guess just like continue healing in my ankle. Um, yeah, basically like the same thing that Kate said, but also. For me personally, I get really homesick and I get like a lot of anxiety. So kind of scared for being away from home for six months. So just for that. And also my mom's going to be the only girl at the house. So maybe that. <laughs> so prayer for Sandra as well. And probably, yeah, pray for, pray for the families as well. They're obviously going to miss their loved ones. Um, so I believe that Sarah and Rita were going to pray for, for Kate. Is that right? And then um, Chantel, my Chantel. 
uh, who's right there, and was it Kristen? We're going to come up and, and pray for Kate. And again, we pray out loud so you can agree with these prayers, right? So I'll, I'll pass this over to Sarah first. And why don't you bow as we pray for our lovely Kate? Lord God, I I thank you for this amazing young woman. We got to know her as a bump in her mom's belly when they moved here. And we've watched her grow from an infant to elementary, junior high, high school. And now you are commissioning her to go. And we bless her. We thank you that you have called her, that you have led her to this decision of of leaving home, going to another country, um, learning about you being discipled to be your servant in the world, and then going somewhere that they don't know. And we thank you for the courage that that takes. We thank you for the dedication and commitment from their families. We pray for them as they will be missed. Lord, I thank you that Kate is standing here without crutches and without her air cast today. We continue to pray for healing for her. Lord Jesus, in your precious name, we just ask for complete healing of that ankle that she can go confidently knowing that you are restoring that ankle and um, that it would be healthy this whole way through. Lord Jesus, I pray um, for the words that Kate has asked for, that you would reveal your identity um, in her, that she would know um, and hear your voice, and that she would be obedient to those things. And God, I also just want to pray into the scripture of the So, Kate, I pray that you would put on the armor of God. Kate, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Kate, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For your struggle, Kate, is not against flesh and blood, but against the authorities, against the rulers, against the um, powers of this dark world and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So Kate, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you will be able to stand your ground. And Kate, after you have done everything to stand, stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, And Kate, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, in addition to all this, Kate, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows from the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And Kate, continue to pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. 
And Kate, we promise that we will continue to lift you up in your absence. We pray this in Jesus' name. Father in heaven, our shepherd, what a joy it is today to stand here with Kate. We praise you and thank you for your faithfulness to us as we stand here with our Unity family and our lamb, Kate. Lord, 17 or more years ago, we committed ourselves to care for her spiritual well-being when we stood as a church family as her parents dedicated themselves to guiding her towards you. We now ask for Kate that you would go with her as she leaves the safety of her family and us, her church family, and heads off to youth with a mission. We bless her and we pray the words of Joshua over her. Be careful to obey all the law. Do not turn from it to the right or the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep it on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Be strong. Be courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord, your God, will be with you wherever you go. God, we want to just come um, before you and say, wow, thank you. Um, God, we see how you are faithful, loving, and oh so good. And we see your faithfulness and love and goodness in Dallas standing here today. Thank you, Jesus, for how you have been speaking And for Dallas's obedience and quick yes to take those next steps with you in healing, in baptism, and now to say yes as she steps out to YWAM. Jesus, um, she's had a secret quiet place here in Red Deer with you where you have spoken really clearly about how loved and chosen and beautiful she is. And so I ask, Jesus, that you would provide that secret, special place where she can continue to meet with you. Would she continue to grow in friendship um, and relationship with you, Jesus? God, I thank you that um, when we step into your kingdom, um, you remake family. You remake and grow friendships. And so, God, I pray for family, um, kingdom friendships for Dallas as she heads to YWAM. God, would, um, would you bring along those friends for life um, for her? Friends that she can um, talk about you with, talk about life with, and grow together together. 
um, with. God, I, I thank you that you are always present and you've shown that. Um, you've shown your presence um, and your enoughness to Dallas um, in these months leading up to going. Um, and God, I just claim um, your presence with her as she goes. You're going before her. Um, you've got her back and you're beside her. Would she always know that you are by her side? And Jesus, you are the Prince of Peace. And so I claim the Prince of Peace over Dallas today. Um, would you fill Dallas with your peace? She has nothing to be afraid of, for you are with her. Lord Jesus, I thank you for Dallas. I thank you for her bright smile and for her sparkling eyes and for the incredible ways that we have seen you work in her life this year, God. I thank you for her bravery and courage to work on herself this year and for the courage it takes for her, um, an introvert, to take this chance to leave what is comfortable, to leave what is familiar, um, to go to YWAM and to then go somewhere else, God. And so as she prepares her heart and you prepare um, the places that she will go and the people that she'll meet, God, I pray that she will have your comfort and peace, that she will have an incredible opportunity of growing with you and deepening her relationship with you. God, you tell us that um, your sheep hear your voice and we know that Dallas hears your voice, God, and that he is working in her life and speaking to her in so many ways, God. And I thank you that she has taken this opportunity and this chance and trusted you, God, in this incredible place that she's going to go. And God, as she leaves her family and, um, and, and goes for this period of time, I do pray that you will fill her life with people who will be lifelong friends, that will be Jesus followers, that will be people who are encouraging her throughout her whole life. God, I pray that you would prepare those people and those connections, that you would help her in the times where she maybe is feeling lonely, God, that you would step in and provide her with your comfort, that she would feel your presence in such a strong and incredible way. And God, I just thank you for the ways that you have provided for this opportunity for her to go. I just thank you. I just see so many neat ways and incredible things that um, healing and baptism and, and the ways that you've met her with these fundraising goals and just even her, her demeanor, God, that she is ready and excited and nervous. And so I pray that you would help her with all of those feelings, God, that you would be with her family as they connect with her in a very different way, that you would fill their hearts with peace and comfort as well, and that you would remind us um, just to continue to pray for these girls, God, that we would um, lift them up in prayer to you daily, God. I know we will be, and I pray that you um, will put her on other people's hearts as well, that we can lift them up in prayer, God, and that you can surround them with your protection, both physically and spiritually. And we thank you for the courage that it takes to do this, God, and for the ways that you are working in her life. And I thank you for for letting us join in and, and letting us see how you're working. 
Amen. Can I just get the parents to come up too and just lay hands on your kids? Would the rest of you please stand? And if you're comfortable, sort of extend a hand out. this blessing is not just for Dallas and Kate, it's for the families as well. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Go now in peace to love and serve the Lord and wash feet. And may the blessing of God Almighty Father, Son, and Holy Spirit carry you through the week. Friends, we went over time, so we're going to need extra help getting chairs away. They go to the back. Would you, as you stack them, make sure that um, not all the chairs have um, all of the feet. So could you make sure that the one on the bottom that you're dragging is one that has all the plastic feet, so we're not scratching the floors. The bathrooms will need to be refreshed as well. Thanks for washing feet with us. Have a great week.